0: to the audio for my book, When We Were Young, 20s Edition, The Journey of Owning Our Story Together. I'm so thankful you're here. Chapter 3, Year 23. So when are you going to make this dream a reality? My friend Brian questioned me as we sat in conversation over some greasy pizza in a hole-in-the-wall restaurant. Excuse me, what? What do you mean? I answered with astonished perplexion. Megan, when are you going to do this project? You can't tell me about this dream you've been having and not expect me to encourage you to pursue it. No, I really didn't expect that answer in response to sharing what I had walked through the last several months. I was simply coming to terms with the place in which I unexpectedly found myself. Waking up unemployed on my 23rd birthday was exactly the last place I desired to be. After finishing my incredible internship with a church I loved, I couldn't have been more ready for my first big girl job, post-college. The past year had been a season of wild growth and learning, and I was ecstatic to give away all I had been taught. And I believed that I would found the perfect avenue to do so. An international organization had offered me a position to coordinate all of their travel to the global locations where their work was taking place. Not only was I to be the point person for planning and executing travels, but I was also to be a bridge builder of relationships between the organization and future partners. How absolutely in my wheelhouse this seemed. The chance to continue my love for global nonprofit work and utilize my ability to make fast friends with literally anyone. I felt honored to have this opportunity. Yet, within a week of starting my job, circumstances that were beyond my control led me to resign from my position. This came not only at the guidance of a wise council of people who were navigating this choice with me, but also at the recommendation of the organization's founders. When I was originally offered the job months prior, the organization had been in a completely different place. In the end, keeping me on would have ultimately been to my detriment rather than any benefit. There I was, feeling genuinely like a complete idiot. I hate to speak so harshly of myself, but I cannot deny the rawness of my defeated state. What in the actual hell? What am I supposed to do now? I had placed not only this job to lead me into the next chapter of my life, but I had also banked on it to provide my entire livelihood. And now I had nothing, no direction. I certainly had no prospects. I had stopped pursuing them because I didn't think I needed them. How was I going to pay my bills? What kind of job should I even look for next? What skills did I truly have that I could bring to the table? All of these real questions and more swirled in my brain day and night as I actively pursued the next right step in my life. And while all of my concerns were valid, one lingering insecurity seemed to shine brightest. Am I a failure? What will people think of me? Am I a disappointment to all of the people who have loved and supported me my whole life? There was an innate pressure to perform perfectly and rightly that was ingrained in my spirit, to the point where it had controlled much of my self-worth and identity for as long as I could remember. I'd like to have someone to blame for this impossible disposition, but I can only attribute this reality to a perfect storm of events in the mindset they created. You see, I'm the firstborn of my family, and I've had a pretty bold personality from the jump. I was told from as young as I could recall that I would be a leader and a world changer, even before I had any notion of what that entailed. Early on in my childhood, our family went through the unthinkable tragedy of losing my father, and I concluded that it was my responsibility to be the strong one for us all. I pressed onward through school and graduated high school with accolades. I graduated from college in three years. I traveled to numerous countries and experienced cultures in ways most of my family and friends never had. Somewhere in the midst of all of these situations and more, I deduced that not only was I impressive, but I also had no choice to be anything but impressive. People were looking to me, better yet, counting on me to be the inspiration for how to live life with grave excellence, drive, and accomplishment. Or so I thought. But here I was. For the first time in my life, I was directionless, humbled by my own developed arrogance and my shocking situation. I couldn't quite shake this deflated posture of feeling like an extreme letdown and recognizing that maybe I wasn't as confidently collected as I once perceived. And truthfully, I didn't know how to move forward from that place. On a Monday morning, weeks after my initial unemployment, I was perched in a booth at the only reasonable place to be, Chick-fil-A. With nuggets and fries as my muse and solace, I sat down in front of a blank Word document. The cursor pulsed with anticipation for the words to appear. Writing has been the release valve for my dancing thoughts and emotions ever since I was in middle school. With the expansive tension of mental tug-of-war and feelings at play, it felt the most natural to sit down and let the pressure pump blow. It's easy to wake up every day and start believing the lie. Believing that if I don't achieve, receive, get a degree, or land a job that's a dream, then I'm nothing to see. The words spewed out of me. And as this process of reflection continued, I wrote something unlike I had ever written before. It was poetry, in the format of spoken word. In other words, poetry with a little flair and some attitude. Art became a product of my pain. Beauty was created when all I saw were ashes. I left Chick-fil-A that day feeling unapologetically released from the danger of rigid, predetermined destinations and open to see what new path was laid before me. What I found was twofold. In the kindness and timing of the Lord, I was given a job to provide for my finances, It was in a totally new field of operation management, and I was in a season of fire hydrant learning all over again. I also received a steady, undeniable dream. No, like a literal dream that captivated me in my sleep several times within a three-month time span. In this dream, I was standing center stage in an empty sanctuary, proclaiming my spoken word to a camera. Vividly clear, this dream had me take the very words that helped set me free and give them away to anyone who would watch and listen to the recording. Three distinct times I woke up after having the exact same dream. This was noteworthy because dreaming in my sleep was typically foreign to me. It wasn't something with which I was very familiar. But the consistency and clarity of this recurring picture in my slumber made me curious about its meaning. If there was any to be found. So when are you going to make this dream a reality? My fellow creative junkie exclaimed in the face of my vivid recounting of my dream. That thought hadn't even crossed my mind. I truly just desired to sit down with a trusted friend and share where my heart, mind, and life had been. Sharing the details of my dream was an avenue to show him the words of this poem. I secretly ached for the why behind the what but I was fearful as to what it could mean. Yet, without hesitation, my friend sprung into action by calling me to it. He met me in the middle of my wonder and cultivated space for consideration. Instead of solely continuing to consider the thing in my heart and mind, what if I simply pursued it? Once I moved past the initial shock of the notion, we began discussing what accomplishing this objective could look like. We dove into the details and the piles of possibilities, and the more we expressed the framework for finality, the more my excitement was magnified. I could really do this, and I think I was supposed to. I realized that my experience and reflections weren't just meant for me. They were a gift I could offer to any who was in need and willing to receive them. Could it be that writing from a place of deep, somber authenticity might aid others who find themselves in a similar place? Might there be a way that what was once seemingly only hardship could be used and repurposed for good? Well, we were going to find out. After leaving the pizzeria, I quickly sprung into action, because part of me knew if I delayed, I was likely to give up and abandon it altogether. And this felt too important to treat with such flippant acknowledgement. Every necessary piece began coming together. I shared my heart and vision with two other trusted friends, one whom would become the creative director for the shoot and one who would become the videographer. Other friends took on tasks such as booking the venue space, helping with hair and makeup, guiding the editing slash mixing process, directing the day of the shoot, and promoting the project's arrival via online marketing. The more people became a part of this dream, the more special it became. And their partnership only affirmed that this was never just about me. When the video was finally released on Valentine's Day, the response was overwhelming. To see friends, family, and strangers alike all view and share about this piece of art with their own words of profound resonance gave me unending chills. Receiving hugs laced with tears as people communicated feeling sane, some for the first time. Unanticipated feedback through comments like, Megan, I needed to hear this, and you are not alone, and me too, left remarkable truth to reign. We don't have to have it all together. Actually, if we think or portray our lives as though we do, we are delusional. <laughs> Life does not happen like we think it should or planned it to be and I'm starting to learn that we are better for it because while this season was one of aching confusion and harsh realities it also birthed the awareness that I was living in bondage which was never meant to be mine. There is freedom in the formation of our stories. There's no gold standard of living that equates to a successful or purposeful life and if we want one like some litmus of, yeah, I'm doing all right here, then let it be this. Am I living faithfully and confidently in my story, one step at a time? If your answer is yes, then soak up all the rest found in that secure place. If the answer is no, here's your permission to start honoring your life by not comparing it to someone else. Whether you work at a church a Chick-fil-A, a resale shop, or somewhere or nowhere in between, there is purpose in your position. There is potency in your pilgrimage. There is discovery to be had in your journey, even when it feels adrift. There is necessary reassessment when we realize we were never meant to compare our stories to one another and instead live deeply in the one we have been given. I finally believed and owned that for myself. And I believe that for you too. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Chapter 3, Year 23 of When We Were Young, 20s Edition The Journey of Owning Our Story Together. Let's jump into the bonus. So, this chapter was really cool to write and really reflect on just as this book in and of itself was coming to life because writing this chapter reminded me that this was the first creative project that I really allowed myself to dive into, own, um, that wasn't for anything other than I felt like I was supposed to do it. It wasn't for a job. It wasn't for a school assignment. It was just a personal project that I believe that God was asking me to do. And it, it kind of is this beautiful foreshadowing of so many creative projects to come. And, uh, you know, when I think about the coming together of this book and the coming together of that creative process, they are so paralleled. Because like I described in the book, I had several friends come alongside me to create the YouTube video that is still out uh, from several years ago that was a video of that spoken word, poetry. And I never brought in anybody that I didn't know. I didn't hire out any professionals. It truly was just man, who are my friends in my life that are so gifted and so talented that if they, if they would be so generous to come alongside this project and help make this dream come true? And they did. I just happen to know really incredibly talented people um, that give of their gifts far too generously to me and did in this project of this YouTube video. Uh, the project was called What If I'm Not?, and I read the opening line to the spoken word in in the book. And man, that poetry and writing that spoken word was even a springboard for me, how today I um I continue to write and release spoken word in different avenues. And it's funny to think too, even even paralleling like um promo, anything social media. Back when I did this YouTube video, it was in like 2015, 2016. So social media and how we used it even looked different then. And so I remember I have this video that was a splicing together of multiple different video clips that my friend who had done my hair and makeup that day uh, had just taken some videos on her phone, and I cannot even tell you what app I used to splice these videos together. And then I recorded a little voiceover. It was like I was doing reels and TikToks before they were a thing. Um, but just to make promo uh, for and, and build like hype met, wow! And build hype and excitement for um, this creative project that I really believed was not just for myself. And that feels so true when I think about this book, too, because this book was written as kind of a way for me to reflect on this past decade and have a piece of myself that could be passed on way beyond me. But in that same sentiment, believing that this book is about so much more than me, that through this avenue and lens of a creative project um that it's so much more than just like sharing some cool and fun stories but that maybe um someone would read or experience this creativity and say you know what I'm not alone or you know what Uh, my story matters in ways that maybe I didn't think so before and I think that's the real beauty of art And um, this chapter and this story specifically, I feel like was the first time in my adult life that uh, I really started recognizing that and gave myself permission to pursue art uh, just because it was a part of me and just because I felt like God was asking me to. Oh, and by the way, Just a fun fact, the same Brian that is mentioned as my friend in this chapter is the same one who designed the cover for this book. So full circle, uh, this guy is still in my life and is still um, encouraging creativity and is coming alongside projects of mine with his own creativity. How fun! Thanks for listening, y'all. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to continue receiving the episode drops for the book in bonus. If you haven't bought the book, it's out now on Amazon. So go grab it. See you next time. And until then, let's keep owning our stories together.